Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Ladies and gentlemen, please remain standing for the singing of our national anthem. He said Britain is just a small island that no one pays attention to. A former colony won the right to determine its own destiny. Hello and welcome to a special Mid-Atlantic. In a week that has seen the BJP take power in India, protest parties across Europe have caused an earthquake much closer to home. And we will take time to, to assess exactly how big the damage is. To look at politics from the perspective of the other side of the ocean, I have journalist and cultural commentator Mick Wright from Dublin and historian and wit Rob Monaco from Connecticut. I'm your host, Royfield Brown from London. Gentlemen, how are you today? Doing good, doing good. <laughs> very good, man, very good. Um, you didn't sound too sure there, Mr. Wright in Dublin. When do, when do I? I'm, I'm, I'm vacillating between good and bad today, so we'll see see where it lands by the end of the show. You know what? I like that. We're not going to know what we're going to get with you. That's brilliant. Um, let's start close to home with the political earthquake that has been a protest vote across Europe in the European elections. Nigel Farage, you must be pleased with the British public. Well, my dreams become a reality, and despite the onslaught we faced over the last few weeks, as if the whole world was against us, uh, the British public have stood firm, they've backed UKIP, and we've won a national election. I'm over the moon. How would you describe last night's results? I think it is a political earthquake, because I think the implications, uh, the implications for Nick Clegg, are very serious indeed. The implications for Ed Miliband are serious indeed. And for David Cameron, perhaps not quite as bad, but uh, that debate, that split within his party, is going to continue. And whatever anybody says, oh, well, you know, UKIP have done well in this, but they can't repeat it next year. I've been looking at some of the constituencies, seats in which, which we've won council seats, seats in which we've topped the poll, uh, and it's clear now that we have a targeting strategy for next year that is valid. The UKIP being the largest set of the European election vote in the UK and protest parties around Europe getting about 25% of the vote. How big was the political earthquake last week? Starting with you, over in Dublin, Mr Wright, shoot. UKIP share of the vote actually went down uh, compared to last time. So, yeah, they've got more MEPs in the European Parliament and they also did pretty well in the council elections. I think that uh, the earthquake is 
is not nearly as large as it's being made out to, particularly by uh, broadcasters like the BBC, which love a bit of drama. You know, when it comes to the election, the general election, most of those voters are likely to swing back to their original uh, parties, most likely the Conservatives. And really, I think the the, the one thing that is, is really quite interesting is I think the Lib Dems are dead, <laughs> basically. And I think this is just the first sign that they're really going to very suffer, very much suffer it at the general. I suppose the biggest thing and the, and the most worrying thing really across Europe is the rise of the right wing, particularly looking over to France, where the National Front got the majority of the vote. Right, Mr. Monaco, give us an American perception of UKIP. What do you think happened? <laughs> Uh, I mean, look, there's a rising wave of discontent, I feel, around the world that Obama comes in and, and again, you know, it, it needs to be stated that, oh, you know, America, everybody, obviously, we everybody follows us. It's sort of like it's like the pulse for the world. And there was this feeling that, you know, we're going to start fixing things. It's going to be social progress and everybody's going to get along. It's going to be great. But that didn't happen, obviously. And... As the world starts to become closer and the sides are different, you know, what does it mean to be a European? What does it mean to be British? What does it mean to be an, an American for that matter? And obviously this is, you know, this is something that, that's pretty much for the UK. But it, what, I mean, I didn't see any news on it this week, obviously, um, because whatever. Um, it, but really, the more that I was researching UKIP, it was, I was like, there's got to be something there that I'm not quite understanding. They want to break away from the European Union. Is that my, is that right? Yeah. All right. But, but it seems like there, they're not. There is a real analogy between emotionally where they sit and the far right wing politics in the US. So if you, you could scratch UKIP and then talk about about politics of the right which want to lessen the power of the federal government let's get the federal kind of government out of what i'm doing you know it comes from the same emotional place yeah but i mean the thing is is that when the people vote it's clearly despite what some of these you know groups may not you know do or say clearly there's some passion for what they stand for so you know in in this case with this whole Eurosceptic thing i i don't know why they don't seem to be anti-immigrant they just seem to be anti-europe though okay let, my let, understanding let, let that me, let me jump in uh, mick is ukip anti-immigrant yeah <laughs> absolutely oh well there are right, there we go well, explain. Well, Nigel Farage, the, the leader of UKIP, was was on on the radio recently and trying to make a distinction between a group of Romanians moving in next door versus a g- group of Germans. And he said, you know, oh well, of course, I think we all know uh, why that would be different. Um, <laughs> so that doesn't yeah. mean anything for us over here. <laughs> well, well, I I think the, <laughs> I think the definition. I can, is... I can understand who would be the more desirable of the two, but I mean, yeah, I think he's, he, well, he's, 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 he's his distinction being for him being that uh, Romany gypsies versus uh, versus civilized Germans. Given that he's married to a German, ah. that probably uh, mm. that's <laughs> add something to and, it. I and mean, it's most charitable Western Europeans. We share the same cultural, we're part of the same cultural wider family. Would be the most charitable spin sure, you could put on what yeah. he said. I mean, look, the, 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 I mean, basically, UKIP 
tend to it has the same gift for gaffes and deeply dubious statements as the Tea Party would have in the US. So you'll get candidates saying things like, "Why don't we just shoot some gay people? Then all the others will stop wanting to be gay." For instance, so. There are some pretty unpleasant people in there, but why have so many people voted for them? Because there's a sense that um, of disenchantment with the mainstream political parties, and a sense that UKIP are, are willing to say the you know say the difficult things and and be kind of mavericks, which is uh, somewhat understandable if you avoid listening to anything they say. So Rob, I think in, you kind of said something really interesting because over here, this European election result with 25% of the vote going to protest parties. So you've got the National Front in France beating the socialist government, you've got communists in Greece topping the poll, a neo-fascist party in, in Denmark um, get, get, topping the, the, stopping the poll. This has been big news over here. But you've basically said that it hasn't made American news at all. Is yeah. that correct? No, not at all. Not at all, actually. I mean, every night this week, the real, I mean, there's been a lot of fires and, and floods out west and stuff. It, it, so the news has been really dominated by a lot of environmental stuff. But I mean, no, truthfully, I have not heard anything. The, the only time the, the BBC was reporting. I mean, but literally, it's you have to know what station that is and turn to it um, and then sit there for 20 minutes of analysis. To, you know, but, but like, well, the, you, the thing is, Europeans are bored by it, so I'm not surprised oh. it's not being reported about in the you know. I mean, but like, I mean, I get that that protest vote that you're, you're fed up with the status quo. Nothing is working here, so you're going to vote for something else. And that was happening here as well. But it's laughable here because what do you? What's the protest vote here? A Democrat's in office, you vote for a Republican. If Republicans in, in office, you vote for a Democrat. Oh, that's really sticking it to them. Ow. No. Yeah, but no, but Rob, yeah, the protest vote, the visible protest vote in the U.S. is surely the Tea Party. And, and, and libertarians and but the, you specifically but the tea party, see it in, in primaries don't you? You do but the Tea Party is still, it's not its own party though and I think that that's a, a thing that, it, the Tea Party is not a separate entity if if it was, I think it would mean a lot more when people vote for them but they're still Republicans though Mick, you've said that Europeans are, are bored so why should the Americans actually even take notice of what's going on uh, in this election but should they, whether they're bored or not, should they take notice of uh, the Front National in, in France uh, having a stunning amount of votes collected yesterday? Well, I mean, ultimately it becomes an issue because you've got a you, you've got trade treaties between the EU and and, and and the US coming up, you know, in in the rearview mirror right now, and uh, we need to we need to deal with that. But I don't know, it's different. We it, we could, you know, we, we had a 30, 36, 37 percent turnout in the UK, so I'm not surprised that our friends across the pond can't really uh, manage to become excited about it. Will it force the Lib Dems, you said the Lib Dems were dead, will it force them to uh, kick out Clegg before the next election? I don't think they've got the balls to do it, to be honest. And I don't think they know who they'd replace him with. They're they're pretty much all a busted flush at this point. Rob, you said that uh, the Tea Party are still Republicans. Do you believe that 
the libertarian wing of the team, of, of the Republican Party should spin off and actually say, you know what, we are a different political entity. So those kind of clubbable business loving Republicans who are much more kind of centrists uh, can just get on and uh, run the party the way that they want and not have all these pesky primary challenges. I, I get what the Tea Party initially set out to do, that the idea was that to change the way that the incumbent Republicans think so that to get them to kind of go back to, you know, these roots necessarily. But I was a Republican for a while. I was a Thomas Jefferson loving Republican and I had all of these grand delusions of small government and personal freedoms and foreign policy and, and, and intel- intellectual enlightenment. Well, you don't have a foreign policy if you're a Thomas Jefferson uh, well, libertarian, do you? You don't, you don't. But you, it's a very, but it, it's a very respectable foreign policy. We do, we don't go off and and trudge around and and empire build and all of that stuff. But what no, do you mean I you got, just was, purchased Louisiana for was it three million dollars? Yeah, you do. Well, but it's 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 listen, it's Thomas Jefferson, Americans for the Americans though. It's 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 for us though, and as we have to deal with Napoleon. It's fine. It's fine. Whatever. We'll deal. Uh, they deal with France, I guess. But I don't understand how they can get up there and not want to be their own party though and i know you obviously they would never make it on the you know national stage with some of this stuff but why why would you want to associate with people that you don't think are conservative enough or moral enough and why not just say it break away let's start with the multi-party stuff here mick how can the parties that are pro-europe at least wrestle some of the agenda back from farage before the next election cameron seems to think he's going to do it by just consistently saying you have to vote conservative because that's the only way you've got a referendum i think clegg people just find him laughable at this point i don't think people think he's trustworthy i don't think he looks very you know um believable i would like to think that Miliband would get out there and and, and make an attempt to uh, to talk about immigration in a more nuanced way but i think he realizes that that's that's not going to get him elected and frankly the people uh, sort of more conservative people within his party like ed balls are kind of saying we need to be tougher on immigration across the board in europe what will happen is 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 the far right i think will not rise to any great level i really don't believe that i mean a lot of times whenever there's a, a far right surge in europe people sense is is to is to hark back to the second world war and think oh well we've, we've got to worry about that but i i just i don't think that will happen what tends to happen is you kind of get a lurch towards the far right and then people correct and realize that's a terrible thing i think if you look though over the last 30 years though there has been course corrections um the far right has inexorably kind of grown um with whether it's in scandinavia definitely in france and i do believe that there is a bit of a a slightly squeezed middle um but you know time will tell time will tell more and more democrats in key 2014 races are calling for the president to get a spine they say and fire his veterans affairs secretary and what more and more democrats are saying privately is scathing calling the president and his team detached, flat-footed, even incompetent. Maggie Haberman, that's what strikes me 
what Democrats are saying privately. In the wakes of the healthcare.gov problems, they see a president who doesn't want to take command, doesn't want to act fast, raising the competence question. Some Democrats who believe in government saying this White House doesn't appear to have its hand on the lever. Yeah, and you've heard for a long time this White House doesn't appear to quite have its hand on the lever at various points. But this week really marked something. This past week marked a change where you saw Obama with that very sort of tepid press conference. He was sort of in, sort of not in with Shinseki. He had a meeting uh, about foreign policy with senators who were expecting him to be there. He wasn't there. They filed out. One of them said that he thought it was the most bizarre meeting he had been at in quite a while. All of this adds up to somebody who just doesn't seem at all involved. I didn't know an awful lot about the Department of Vet, uh, Veteran Affairs at all before this, um, but let's give it a whirl. So you are going to do a lot of the heavy, heavy carrying here, uh, Mr. Monaco. Sir. Good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Reporting for duty, I like that. That's right, you're right, that's right. <laughs> all right. With Democrats as well as Republicans up in arm over the VA scandal, will this be the issue where Obama's even-handed tone is his undoing? Over in Connecticut, Mr. Monaco, what do you think? Um, no. No, it will not because... It was John Stewart had the greatest video that summed it up because Obama is just the latest president in a long line of presidents that has screwed over our veterans over and over and over again. Um, right now, the big thing is that, you know, it comes in cycles that people find out about how bad the VA is and then, and then it sort of gets swept under the rug and then people go about their business. Um, but Rob, I'm, I'm yeah. going to jump in. I want you, uh, for the British listeners and listeners around the world, to explain the place that veterans have in American society, American kind of political kind of folklore. Oh, sure. Yeah. Basically, uh, the VA, the Veterans Affairs, the Department of Veterans Affairs, uh, this is, it is actual socialized medicine in the United States. The hospitals <gasps> are... Oh, I know! Yeah! We've got it here! Um, and we'll talk about if it worked or not later, but when you're a veteran, you get a, you get a special government-issued health insurance card. You get to go to government hospitals, government doctors, government medicine, etc., etc. Et it's all government control. But basically, the relationship America has with its veterans um, has changed, obviously, since Vietnam in which it was nasty at best it was awful obviously um that especially and and these were not volunteers at the time they were draftees they didn't have a choice to go over there and then they came back home to a country that didn't want anything to do with them didn't like them hated them um horrible horrible stuff that changes uh, especially with the first gulf war and people start to really start to really really appreciate what they do especially since now they are volunteering um to you know do this stuff that i don't have to do i you know whether it's not a question that we should have to is different but they're doing it and we do love and respect them and that's where it ends it's essentially it's a bumper sticker on the back of your car that says support our troops and thank you for your service and especially on this memorial day i think it's sickening that the politicians are blaming each other and obama and once again veterans are out in the dust all right so mick democrats seem to be almost as upset of Republicans. So there is the scandal that there are secret lists and some vets are dying waiting for treatment. But then there is the president's tone. Has he been not too aligned with the mood of the nation? Did he need to basically fire uh, fire the guy 
and and should he at least appeared a little bit more angry on behalf of the American people? Well, hasn't this been his problem on so many issues that he's that he's president even-handed that he's Mr. Mr. Reasonable, and a lot of times, what people want is to see some passions, to see some decisiveness. I mean, you know, when he was candidate Obama, he was saying this is an outrage, it's a betrayal, and then he's he's failed to do enough about it. And but you know, this is not a this is not just a U.S. problem. I mean, you look in the U.K. and more British soldiers committed suicide in 2012 than were killed in combat um, so uh, I think we as a as a Western world have a problem with uh, with failing to actually adequately help service men and women when they leave the military and when they need treatment both mental and physical I, I think that is absolutely well put Rob I think you kind of hinted at this that much more in American society than there is in British society is the case that if you have done the uniform the military uniform and you've gone up to serve your country is a case of uh, the country's forever in your debt but, yeah, but just don't don't ask us for a handout, though. We're, we respect and appreciate what you did, but, you know, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, come on. We're, we're giving you enough at this point. And that's what it is. It's, 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 it's sickening right now. I read an article that the, the veterans now, PTSD, they are now referring to it as paid till suicide or death. That's the feeling right now, that it is essentially the thing that nobody's talking about as they fight over, oh, this is Obamacare, this is Shinseki's fault. No. The problem is, is that we launched two wars without any afterthought on, oh my God, what are we going to do to take care of these guys and girls when they come back home? There's no money there. And yet... Now we they expect it to magically disappear. I, I mean, it's it's outrageous. I, they really are waiting for them, as that soldier said, to either kill themselves or die off. It's sickening. And the GAO was warning back in 2001 that VA clinics were under too much pressure, and that was before Afghanistan and Iraq. So, like you said earlier on, I mean, it's been going on for a very long time. Mm. So, is this just everybody kind of hand wringing and then conveniently saying, oh? You know, the president need, needs to at least be more voluble in his kind of disgust. But really, it's because we all share, or at least all Americans uh, specifically talking about this issue, share a lot of the guilt in this, that um, a disproportionate amount of the homeless are ex-veterans, disproportionate amount of people with mental health issues are ex-veterans, etc., etc. And this has been uh, ever thus the case, at least in, since the last 30, 40 years. Yes, no, it is. And we... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. burrow.com slash ACAST. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Expect that by going up to a veteran and thanking them for, them, for their service. That, that's it. We, I did my job. I thanked him for his service. I thanked her for her service. And we expect them to come back home and it's like, oh, how was your trip? Did you have fun? Good, good. Well, see ya. But we don't we don't understand the, the mental anguish they went through, the physical, you know, suffering that they're going to go through the rest of their life. It's not like you go to the doctor and he gives you, you know, a band-aid and you're good. These veterans will suffer their entire lives. And I think that Americans as Americans, it's a, we have a long history of shameful behavior to our veterans. And we don't like to talk about the full story. But it, the the big question now in in Everybody should be asking, how can we take care of them? And instead, what I'm hearing is that the solution is to disband the VA and replace it with a free market healthcare, privatized, do what you need, and you can shop around. Just before we, we finish up with this, Obama is the president, he is the commander in chief. Uh, we at least need him to appear a little bit more engaged on this, don't we, Mick? I mean, Joe Klein in, in time was saying that uh, what Obama should have done is he's gone to Phoenix, gone down there, you know, had a town hall meeting, sacked some people, met, you know, made some moves. But again, in, in a sense, doing that is, is just political theatre. And... But, but we need some political theatre as well, don't we? Well, we you, you, need, you need to do, you need to change the system so this thing doesn't happen again. But uh. in, in something like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying wholesale, you know, slash and burn, Rob. But, I you know, know we're, all, we're so jaded, though. It's, <laughs> it's awful. But the, other, but the other thing about this is, though, is when, is, is that, uh, from a lot of reports I've read, the, the actual care in the VA facilities is actually apparently pretty good. Once yeah, when get you in, get in, you can, it's apparently, it is very, very good. Is, so, that, so that's the key point to make, you know, when you, you say, the, the, the thing that needs to be said is, and, and like you were saying about, you know, the risk of people trying to push for just, let's just make it a free market system is, then, uh, you know, very effective hospitals will be lost. And that's something that happened in the UK, the military, many of the military hospitals were shut down. And that's a big mistake. Forcing veterans into the into the mainstream health system it, it is always going to be an even worse result for them. Because they won't be able to get a specific tailored care which recognises actually what they've gone through. Is, is that your point? Exactly, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a very specific kind of care that's required. And, and putting people in in shared wards with, with, with civilian patients is not a good thing. Well, I just don't like the idea that a private you know, insurance company. I mean, what's the point of these places? They need to make a profit. I don't like that feeling that there are people making a profit off of fixing, you know, and healing our veterans. That just, it, I feel nauseous thinking about that. Yeah, with good reason. The celebrations continue. Party workers gather at the BJP's headquarters in New Delhi. Their sweeping victory at the polls has stunned this nation. Newspapers are describing this event as momentous. 
Many are just coming to terms with the enormity of this historic moment in Indian politics. The numbers we achieved in this election were expected. I was sure. It's down to the Modi wave. I think corruption is the first priority. If you tackle corruption, then inflation will come down automatically and make life easier for everyone. Modi left his home state of Gujarat for Delhi on Saturday to claim his prize, the Prime Minister's Office of India. The journey from the airport to 11 Ashoka Road, where the BJP headquarters is, was awash with cheering crowds. Thousands lined the route, young and old trying to get a glimpse of their country's new leader. Modi won an outright majority, the first politician to do so since 1984. It was a moment to savour and reflect on. Security is tight around Modi. Since his victory, a new cordon of security surrounds him everywhere. He won't have as much freedom as he did during the election campaign. India has seen two prime ministers assassinated in the past. No one is taking any chances. What does the election of Modi mean for India and world politics? Will India now emerge as a political power as well as an emerging economic powerhouse? Being as your podcast history of our world is dealing with the Indian subcontinent, let's start yes. in Connecticut with you, Mr. Monaco. Yes, and it's very funny, though, because Modi is from the uh, state of Gujarat in India, which is when uh, Pakistan and India split. Pakistan got most of the Indus Valley civilization, like the cities there. But Gujarat has um, many of them, though. So he's actually from the, the region of episode uh, 43. Um, anyway, um, I, Modi is a very interesting character. I, I liked his whole toilets campaign thing. I like the, the technological push. I mean, there's no reason why India should not be a major force in the world right now. So I get that. Um, I think it's very funny that he was denied a visa for so long to this country uh, as a result of not doing enough uh, with these, these uh, Muslim riots in his state. Um, that's sort of an interesting little tangent. Um, but no, the, this is, I mean, look, it's a miracle in and of itself that India had successful elections, 500 million people voting. It's mind-blowing that they, they you're not going to say it's the largest democracy in the world are you which is the line which is in every news report about they love saying that they do they've used the term that's the greatest and the oldest and the this and that and i no, i mean look it's not the same as western style democracy by any stretch of the imagination but oh, oh, i mean look, you, you, you best hold, hold on to that mick is it the same as western style democracy Indian democracy. Uh, no. No, it's not. You, <laughs> why not? But, but no, Mick, give it to them. Half a billion people voted. I mean, that's impressive. That is, uh, numerically, it's very impressive. That's, and, that's, yeah. That's and that it was, a, that it was, a, that it was, a, that it was done peacefully is again, uh, very impressive. It's, it's always done relatively peacefully. Like, yeah, in, yeah, like and India. that's a good, that's a great thing. What, it, why, why is it not democracy viewed from Western eyes? Oh, this is such a... You've just, you just dragged me right into the swamp here. This is quite a difficult one. I suppose... <laughs> All right, you know what? If you're being dragged into the swamp, I think Rob's already in the swamp because he actually said this. So, Rob, whilst uh, Mickey's, you know, seeing where he wants to be in the swamp, you tell me why this is not democracy as viewed from Western eyes. 
Oh, come on. No, 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 don't come on. You tell me. <laughs> I mean, look, the, the fact that this guy can get up there and really represent the Hindu nationalist kind of faction of, of India, that you get up there and, and it's almost like you're saying, you know, India is for the Hindus, that it's all of these other people in India. The, the uh, you know, the, there were seven Muslims that, that stood for election and... Uh, um, he has taken a small but significant part of the young Muslim vote. And in Gujarat, though there were those riots some 10 plus years ago, um, the climate has turned somewhat and the BJP is seen as a modernising party, which has, yes, um, a right wing which is Hindu nationalist. But they're seen as a clean broom. That's a good thing, is it not? Clean Broom's a good uh, good one to say. As, uh, as uh, his his first uh, his first job was actually sweeping up for a senior official. So there you go. Hey, it's a good are. analogy. He's he's come he's come from the very um, he's come from the very bottom bottom of the pile as well. You know, Be poor conservative, helping out of the family tea stool after school. In some senses, it, you know, it, it it shows you a country where you can you can climb climb from the top, bottom to the very top. And give him credit for that. Isn't he the type of politician that actually India needs to heal its? religious divide very obviously he is a hindu and he nails his colors to the mast so if he makes any concessions towards jammu and kashmir and its special status as uh, an indian state people will absolutely trust him because it's almost like nixon going to china it's a case of his bony fighters and his credentials are absolutely nailed nailed to the mast and doesn't india now have a politician uh, who is seen as somewhat of a modernist and somebody who has a very clear message so you understand on on a world stage you know actually what india could be in the potential potential of india over to you mr monica well i mean yeah and then of course india has a lot to clean up in there i mean you still have villages in india who f- still follow a social structure that I just talked about on my show, which is close to 3,000 years old. And there's still this, you know, frighteningly backwards way of thinking about things. I mean, I'm sorry, that's, it is absurd in the year 2014 that two people can be killed by their own family members for marrying outside of the caste system. And and of course, that is illegal in, in most of, I mean, and the cities and especially, you know, anybody in India that you'd want to talk to would say that that's outrageous, but there are still parts of India where this is there. And he does. In order for India to enter, all of India to enter into the 21st century, he really needs to clean up a lot of that. Is it fair to uh, say that he needs to do that if it is a 2,000 year old system? He's made, you know, India is making massive strides, is it not, Mick, in, in becoming at least the, the call centre of the first world? There is a massive Indian middle class. It's hugely important that the caste system be 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 swept away and it is important and, and that has to come from the top and I think Rob's right I, I know we're trying to uh, <laughs> we're trying to get disparate opinions here but I don't think any right thinking person can uh, no 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 I, I'm not saying say that. I, I'm not saying that the caste system um, shouldn't be uh, done away with you know it seems absolutely abhorrent that somebody can be locked into a system because of an accident of birth that they can only ever be a cleaner you know that that you know no one no one can defend that 
And I know that Indian politicians say, well, look at America. You know, the, your average African-American earns less than your average white American. And that is that has been locked in after 150 plus years after slavery. And you, you could argue that there is some kind of a caste system in the United States. It's, you know, it's just that there is more obvious social mobility. However, the prospects for a black African male are somewhat less at birth uh, than for a white American. No, yeah, right. as you, they are yeah. in the UK, and, 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 but it's, and, it's not comparable. It, it is, that is not comp- that is not really a fair comparison. I aim that towards you, Mister Monaco, and you. No, oh, wait, I, go on. Oh well, work on that. I mean, no, I get what you're saying, and as a a, a metaphor, it's yes, we we do have our own caste system in this country, and it's and it's purely economic. You know the huge thing that we haven't discussed yet with this, and the, and the and the most interesting move that he's made so far is 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 in foreign policy, and it's and it's getting Nawaz Sharif yes, and electing yes, him, no, no, and, and yeah, electing no, you, to invite him to the ceremony. That is a that's a no, massive move. No, it is a massive move, and that's kind of what I was kind of going for. But I use Jammu and Kashmir, the Indian state, with the Muslim majority uh, as an example. Here is the Hindu national politician who for the first time at his inauguration had the Prime Minister of Pakistan there and it, for me it feels very much like a, Nils, uh, a Nixon going to China type of move that nobody uh, can doubt his um, you know credentials as upholding kind of Indian nationalism but he can he can do that and that's got to be somewhat uh, significant so um, would you agree Mr Monaco? I would. I just, you know, it, it makes me nervous, though, over there because it's reaching across the, the table can, is seen as as a betrayal to some. And and that that need for, you know, the Hindu nationalism that, you know, he could be viewed almost as, as a traitor to some extent. For I mean, especially and the, and the fighting right now with the Varanasi, with the temple complex over there. There There is stuff that deep, deep seated hatreds that I, I, I have hope. I'm, I'm just keep my fingers crossed that, it, it, the, you know, his own party doesn't, you know, tear him apart. I think that you you two have been a little bit hard on Indian democracy. Um, he is, I forget how many prime ministers India's had since independence. 15. 15 yeah, 15. yeah. It, 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 it's quite a few. It's quite a few. Uh, the transfer of power has always been um, without any kind of uh, strife, and you we the, the last ten. 15 years uh, of India seen massive kind of economic growth which has stagnated it in the last uh, the last two or three years and but there's been wholesale corruption and the very fact that the at the top of the uh, at the top of the government there's been a change in power is is a good thing in terms of you know at least feeling like the Congress Party and its cronies can't have things their own way, and 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 I think intrinsically anybody who calls themselves a nationalist, I kind of you know step, take a step back and go, ooh, that doesn't quite feel right. But actually, if you look at a lot of the what this guy has actually done um, in Gujarat, and there were problems, and there were those those riots, but actually he's helped um, infrastructure and investment, and I think this is a, a positive time. Sure. 
<laughs> well, listen, you know what, man? I feel, I feel slighted. You know, here we are saying that India is, you know, the greatest democracy. I mean, we all know what is the greatest democracy in the world. I mean, let's just get, let's get it out there. I mean, you know. United Kingdom, home of, home of the mother of all parliaments. Uh, <laughs> absolutely, because you can't be America in this respect. With campaign corruption, gerrymandering of political boundaries, the marginalization of, of ethnicities, I could go on. Could oh, go you on. got me wrong. Oh, no, I'm, I'm in ancient Athens was the greatest democracy. Oh. I see that's I, I should have I should have said that. So where the place where only about 20 percent of uh, people actually had a, had any kind of vote and say. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let, gentlemen, let's go on to our takeaways. All right. So, um, Mr. Wright over in Dublin, what has been exercising or exciting you in the last 14 days and why? Oh, you know what my takeaway is? My takeaway is uh, it's a little old film from 2003. That's how that's forward thinking I am. Because Game of Thrones wasn't on this week. Uh, so... I was looking back through the back catalogue of Peter Dinklage, who always plays Tyrion Lannister in Game of Thrones, and he was in a great film called The Station Agent. I knew you were going to say Station Agent. <laughs> it is really good. It is and good. I, it's been a while since I watched it, so I've rewatched it, and it's 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 a great little film. Very little happens in it, but what does happen is, is very kind of touching, and it's a great performance from him, and a kind of a much different performance to the, the sort of uh, bombastic Game of Thrones performance. So if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's on Netflix and uh, on Amazon. Uh, it's a love film thing. Um, has anybody seen X Men yet? Talking talking about him? No, uh, not yet. But he's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, no, that, that's what I've heard too. Uh, Mr. Monaco, what's been your my, takeaway? My takeaway is um, this Saturday, and this is going to be a selfless, uh, shameless plug. I am a contestant on the National Public Radio quiz show. Ask me another. Oh wow. Yeah, which is airing. It's um, the podcast will be up this Saturday, I think. Um, it was uh, awesome. Um, John Turturro is going to be on the show, um, which is which was awesome. He's oh my god, Brilliant. it's hysterical. It's his Christopher Walken is probably the greatest thing I've ever heard. Um, but I don't want to spoil anything. Um, but I am a contestant on there, and it's pretty cool. We actually. Um, we get to mention the the history uh, podcast just a little bit. I wasn't able to get the name out, um, but it was it was very very cool. So this Saturday, May thirty first, um, go download, um, search iTunes for Ask Me Another, and find uh, the episode. Oh wow, cool, awesome, pretty cool. Well, that, that's that's blown my little uh, takeaway out of the water. Uh, mine <laughs> is um, just to um, stretch yourself and go out of your comfort zone. I as uh, you people have probably realized i'm a little bit of a sedentary lady uh, ass lazy ass and uh, yesterday um my family forced me to go to a place called go ape which was uh, which was is still there um place where you go up climbing up a trees in harnesses and zip line all this kind of malarkey and nonsense and um and it and it was good to get myself away from um a screen and actually to do something physical and it was a lovely day yesterday um however uh my 45 year old frame somewhat faltered whilst uh trying to negotiate one of the obstacles and what i didn't need was a 13 year old american girl telling me to hurry up and and and, and to go on when I was 50 feet uh, suspended up in the air <laughs> whatever 
and I was literally about five seconds away from going, you know what, I need to blow my whistle five times and just be rescued. But this little 13-year-old girl saying, come on, mister, <laughs> was the encouragement I needed to find Listen, that laugh. you can never accuse us of, of beating around the bush, all right? We just say what we want. Get the hell out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And um, so so for that, um, I, I, I do thank her because it meant that, you know, that social embarrassment uh, was just be too much and I did find the strength just to, to finish it but no the Buddhist within me says you know go out and uh, push yourself and to try new things because that is good um, that has been Mid-Atlantic show number nine however Mr. Wright if people want to get hold of you how can they do that? Hey, I'm at Broken Bottle Boy on Twitter. And if people want to tweet you, Mr. Monaco, and say, hey, I heard you on that quiz podcast, how can they do that? They can find me at Podcast History. And you can find me at Roy Fieldsfield, R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D. Also, um, if you are a fan like me of the wonderful institution, British institution, which is the Archers, um, you can um, tweet us at, at dumdydum and you can find us on uh, on iTunes where uh, Lucy uh, Freeman and I have a bit of a riot uh, going through all the weeks goings on in Ambridge. But we will see you all again in... Um, not quite 14 days time in about 10 because we are moving this uh, to Thursdays starting from not this Thursday but the Thursday after thanks for listening toodaloo goodbye bye (laughs) that that was nice I enjoyed that that was really nice Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with Quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe ethical and responsible manufacturing I love that Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.